Excellent. Everyone ready for the Word of God? Excellent. Great. So um, today I want to finish the series that I was doing on the battle belongs to the Lord. So the final part, uh, part number five. So be good. Um, see Wendy's uh, spoken, then we had a week at Leap as well. So it was, uh, three weeks uh, was part three weeks ago was part four. But anyway, I want to finish the series series off today. So that'd be that'd be good. So uh, part five. It's not just called part five. It's called it is finished. So the battle belongs to the Lord. Part five. It is finished. Okay. So. Over the last few weeks during this series, we've been looking at different battles throughout the Old Testament and different things that, that Jonathan dealt with and King David, or prior to him being king, David, uh, David dealt with and different things that we could learn, uh, learn from that and apply to our lives. And that's all uh, brilliant stuff. We looked about how, how to deal with giants, um, how to deal with giants that we face and can face in our lives, whatever those giants may be, or, you know, health issues or financial issues or... Um, family issues, whatever it might be, look, look at those giants direct in the eye, just like David did, and, and in the strength that God's given us, taking those giants on, and God will give us a victory, amen? So there's a different aspects of that. Um, 1 Samuel 17, 45 to 48 was kind of the key verse in it all, where David, David says to the Philistine, speaks to Goliath, says to the Philistine, should be on the screen, okay, it is. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. I'm glad that the battle is God's. Amen. I'm glad about that, that we haven't got a battle through life on our own. And life can feel like a bit of a battle sometimes, can't it? And you know, the last year, it's been, it's been a crazy, <laughs> crazy old year, isn't it? Right? But praise God, the battle belongs to God. Even when life feels like a battle, it's still ultimately not our battle. Our lives are safe in God's hands. I'm so pleased about that. I'm sure you are too. But we want to kind of want to bring it, so we've looked at different Old Testament stories, and that kind of key verse, the battle of the Lord, he'll give all of you into our hands. But I want to kind of just finish this off because it's always the best place to finish is by talking about Jesus and what Jesus has done for us in, in winning battles for us. So, of course, we, um, it's going to kind of, kind of be a brief summary of what's gone on, kind of a brief summary of the entire Bible very quickly. But it's important to, to talk about this stuff, kind of get to the end point of what Jesus has won for us. Because, of course, there's a whole kind of spiritual battle going on right throughout the Bible, isn't there? Right from, right from the Garden of Eden. Um, right through uh, to the cross as a battle taking place. And, of course, Adam and Eve were, were created, you know, in the image of God and, and created to serve God, and, and they were tempted by the devil and, and of course, sinned and fell. And we, I'm sure we would have probably done the same thing. You know, we're not here to judge them. I'm sure we would have done the same thing. But they fell, and then, that, that, then the authority that God had given them, because God told them to take dominion, didn't they? Take dominion over all the animals and, and the earth. Then what, what they inadvertently did is then gave that authority kind of over to the devil, didn't they? Kind of gave that authority um, over to the devil. So therefore they then had a sinful nature and all the children they had a sinful nature and all the children they had a sinful nature and that went on and on and on it, through the generations. So that was kind of what was happening in the Old Testament. So there's this big kind of spiritual battle, the spiritual battle for people's uh, hearts and minds um, was, was going on, wasn't it? 
And throughout the Old Testament, God spoke through certain people and sent prophets, etc., to kind of redeem people. But ultimately, there was a big, bigger plan behind it all, wasn't there? A bigger plan about Jesus, and that had always been God's plan. God knew that, that mankind would, would mess up, and there would always be a need for a savior. Um, of course, God then set up the whole sacrificial system uh, you know, of animals kind of, uh, kind of paying the price uh, for sin or be sacrificed for the wrath of sin kind of be put onto that, onto that animal. Different animals are used. That's where we get the term scapegoat. It comes in the Bible, if you didn't know that. Um, it comes in the Bible because they used to have a goat which they would kind of put all the sin on once, once a year. And they would kind of then, I don't know, maybe it sounds a bit harsh, but that's what they did. Um, he put all the sin onto that goat, so to speak, and then the goat would kind of be kicked out of the... Um, kicked out of the land, so to speak, and kind of the goat would disappear, escape with all the sin upon it. That's where scapegoat comes from. So that's, that's, kind of what they, that's kind of what they did. Because there had to be punishment, there had to be punishment for sin, because God is, God is holy and God is, God is, is just. It's not because he just likes punishing people, it's because he's holy and just and perfect, amen? So, so sin cannot be, um, you know, in his sight, it cannot, cannot mix, mix with God. But God had a, had a greater plan, aren't you glad about that? We had a greater plan. We no, no, no longer need to make our own sacrifices. I'm sure the animals are glad about that as well. <laughs> so we no longer have to do uh, any of those things because it's been the once and for all time sacrifice. Amen. And that was always, that was always the purpose. And throughout the Old Testament, remember the purpose of the Old Testament, there's loads of great stories and, and great stuff going on there. And, and some of it's about law and some of it's about the prophets and, and the Psalms and all that kind of other stuff, the poetic stuff in, in between. And loads of great stuff in there. But the whole purpose of the Old Testament is to point towards Jesus. Amen. And the need for, for a savior, and the need for Jesus. And you kind of almost see like a, like a pre-incarnate Jesus kind of appearing you know, from time to time. It says about, you know, with Adam and Eve, it said about that God walked with them in the call of the hour. I believe that's Jesus, a pre-incarnate Jesus. And you see that with the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they're in the fiery furnace, when Fe- uh, not Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar throws them into the fiery furnace because they refuse to worship Nebuchadnezzar and the image it's set up. And it says there's a fourth man there standing, standing with them. And, and even Nebuchadnezzar said it looks like one of the son, sons of the gods. So I believe that's a pre-incarnate Jesus. So you kind of, kind of see these kind of hints, don't you, right throughout the Old Testament, all about pointing towards Jesus and the needs for a saving. You see that with Melchizedek, who, who won the high priest, and it talks, if you read, read Hebrews, it talks a lot about that, how, again, that was a foreshadow of Jesus, this great high priest who Abraham tithed to and um, you know, honored. It talks about him being, Jesus being a, a priest in the order of Melchizedek. So there's, there's, loads of different, there's loads of examples we could use. It was all about pointing towards Jesus. And I need for a savior, and a savior was going to be coming. Aren't you glad about that? Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So you kind of got this, this kind of cosmic, if I can call it that, a cosmic spiritual battle that had been going on in the heavenlies for the souls of mankind, for men and women and, and children. But God had a great plan in it all. Amen. And the cross was the ultimate combination, culmination of that. In John 19, verse 28 to 30, it says this. This is Jesus on the cross. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So there's this kind of battle for souls, this battle for us, a battle for, battle for redemption. Then we're going on. Um, throughout the Old Testament up to this point. At this point, it was finished. The battle was over. The battle, the battle was done. The battle was never ours to fight anyway. Remember, we're talking about the battle was the Lord's. The battle was done. The battle over sin. The battle over, over death. The battle over separation from God was dealt once 
and for all. That's why Jesus could say, it is finished. It, it is done. He had come what he, what, you know, what he had been put on the earth to do. After his 33 years, his three years of ministry, from 30 to 33, and all that he'd been sent to do, it was now done. It was, it was finished. It was over. Now, obviously, he still rose from the dead after that, but the, but the redemption itself was now done. Amen? You know, and this has huge implications for us. For us as, as New Testament people, we, we live the other side of the cross so we can see the whole history and, and understand what, what Jesus has won for us. Is that we can now live in that victory. This is what's just such great news about this. We're going to take communion later. But this is, this is the great victory that Jesus won for us. The battle for, of redemption was, was over once and for all. We've been redeemed. We've been bought back. Our, our price, the price has been kind of, uh, we've been bought back with a price, I should say. That's what the Bible says. We've been bought at a huge price. The biggest price that God could pay was to send his son and, and to give himself to his exchange, his life for our life. That divine exchange that took place. No, it was a permanent victory. Aren't you pleased about that as well? It's a permanent victory. When he said it was finished, it was completed, and it's done, but it's also it's done forever. It's not something that Jesus ever got to repeat. Now, sometimes we can, this, this can be a hard concept to grasp, just the fact that it's just kind of, it's just done, and we just got to accept it. Because <laughs> everything with, within us, certainly I, I certainly go down this, down this line sometimes in, in my thinking, you have to correct the thinking, allow God to correct it. So often we can go down a religious line, can't we, thinking we then have to do something. And even when we've been Christians for a long time, we still think, well, God was not going to forgive that. And he's not going to deal with that one. And he's not okay about that one. And I'm going to have to pay a bit of penance here. You know what I mean? I'll try and make God like me again. And it's, it's nonsense. It's rubbish. The price was paid. It was finished. It was finished. And it still is finished. It doesn't, something when it's finished, it's over, right? You don't need to do it, don't need to do it again. There's no price that needs to be paid again. So this battle, this battle was won. So, and the great news is we don't have to do anything to live in this victory other than respond in faith and accept it. That's amazing, isn't it? And again, you kind of see all religions around the world, and this is something that, where Christianity is, is totally unique in this, where we say we're not trying to earn acceptance from God. We're not even trying. If you do try, I'm, I'll tell you as a bastard, just stop trying. You're, you literally are wasting your time. As if, you know, because God is holy and God is perfect, as if we could ever measure up to God's standards anyway, right? Why would we even try? You're not, you're not even going to get close, right? This is where Christianity is totally different because we understand it's all just purely because of what Jesus has done. we just got to accept it. Accept it by faith and, and just respond in that way. And this battle over, over sin and a battle over death was never ours to fight. The battle was God's. The battle is the Lord's. Amen? But we can all receive the benefits of that battle being won. We can all live in that, this, the benefits of that 2,000 years later. And that's amazing, isn't it? Praise God. You know, and Jesus won that battle... There's, a whole, there's three different victories I want to look at this afternoon. There's three victories, and there's other aspects you could look at, but there's three core ones I want to look at this afternoon, about three victories that Jesus won for us, what it means for us to, to live in the reality that the battle is not ours, it is God's, and it is done, it is finished, it is, it is over, it is complete, it is, it is redeemed, the price is paid. Amen? Praise God. If someone used an analogy, I've heard this analogy, if anyone did, don't do faith works, Bible college, I remember faith works, it's a few years ago, haven't it? a few of you have done that, um, sorry, yeah, a lot, yes, a long time ago, I'm getting older, anyway, <laughs> anyway, faith works Bible college, which is what we used to do before Empower Bible Academy, um, and we're going to have a new Bible Academy, which is probably going to start in next September, anyway, we'll keep you posted on that, anyway, but this is kind of two, two Bible Academies ago, and we used to do faith works uh, Bible college, which is connected with Hillsong. Um, Hillsong Church. Anyway, 
And one of them, they use an analogy, and I thought it's a really good analogy because it just works well. And in the analogy of what Jesus won for us, it talks about a boxer, and it talks about a boxer, a married boxer, and a boxer who, a heavyweight boxer, and he goes into a fight, and he has to kind of give up blood, sweat, and tears, often literally, in order to win, to win that fight. He has to give everything of himself, has to train hard, has to work incredibly hard, be careful what he eats, and go into that boxing ring and kind of look that other boxer, whatever you think about boxing, just stick with the analogy, okay? looks that other boxer in the eye, and is like, I'm going to win this fight. I'm determined to win this fight, and often sometimes I have to go through 12 rounds, and um, it can be pretty bruising, a bruising experience. You know, but it's great when that, when that boxer, for that boxer, it's great then when he then comes out victorious. And then, then the analogy kind of continues, and then when the boxer kind of goes home, and then they get a big check, because there's lots of money in box, isn't there? In the, amongst the top professionals, serious money, amongst the top professionals and kind of what they earn in prize money. And to kind of keep that analogy going, he then kind of gets a check, and it'll be like $10 million, let's say. Um, crazy money. But anyway, that's why they get paid. So I so say a check for $10 million and goes home to his wife and says, here, here you go, wife. This is whatever. <laughs> His name is, you can call her wife, you know what I mean. Here, here you are. Here's a check for $10 million. And she gets to enjoy $10 million along with her husband. Now, which sounds great, right? But it's kind of to use that analogy and to bring kind of the spiritual aspect. And I think that analogy works well because that's basically what Jesus has done for us. Now, one, we are, the, we are the bride of Christ. We are the wife of Christ. That's what the church is, the bride of Christ. And what's happened here is we, so like, this, like the boxer's wife, he has gained, she has gained all the benefit of what the boxer has been through, but literally not had to do anything other than kind of watch it, which may not be very pleasant seeing your husband get beaten, uh, beaten up, but then hopefully then, but then winning, of course. Okay? But other than that, it's not had to do anything, right? Just, just stand there like, oh, I've got this check. This is amazing. I haven't had to do anything for this, but I've got all the benefit of all this money, whereas the boxer's the one that's had to go through 12 rounds. Does that make sense? Okay, and that's what Jesus has done for us. He's paid the huge price. He's gone through what he had to go through physically, emotionally, and spiritually. His own father, it says, uh, Jesus quotes Psalm 22 when he's on the cross. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus felt forsaken. He felt humiliated. He felt naked. His, his mum had to watch the whole, the whole thing happening. All his disciples had legged it and, and left it behind, all the ones, including the ones who said, well, you know, we'll never leave you. you know, we'll stick with you to the end like Peter. Um, it, all, it all ran away. He was abandoned and beaten and humiliated. The, the religious Jewish leaders, the very ones who should have understood who Jesus was, were the ones who, were, who, were, who had taken the mick out of him uh, the most and goading him. And all he went through physically and, and emotionally and then the, just a sheer weight spiritually of what he was dealing with and what he had to pay the price for. You know, it could, he had to get it right. Amen? And, and do it right. And to live a sinless life. So kind of carrying all that upon himself. You know, and that didn't cost us anything, but it cost Jesus everything. But like the, the, the boxer's wife, we get to live in the whole benefit of that. That's amazing, isn't it? And it's literally not cost us a thing, nothing, nothing, other than accepting the reality of it and what Jesus has done for us. And praise God. God is good. So here's three victories that Jesus won for us in this battle. Well, the battle is the Lord's. First one, Jesus has won us victory over sin. Romans 8, verse 1 to 4 says this. Paul writes this, Therefore there is no now, sorry, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who's pleased about that? There's no condemnation. Amen. Don't ever feel condemned. If you're feeling condemned, that's, that's the devil doing it. It's not Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has yet to has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh, 
in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. We do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Praise God. So Jesus paid the price once and for all. Now Paul, as Paul says, our, our sinful nature has been I mean, dealt with. The old has gone and the new has come. We're now brand new creations. Who's pleased about that? Amen? A brand new creation. The sinful nature has been dealt with. It's gone, it's dead, and buried. Amen? We, we identify with that as one of the purposes of baptism, as well as to identify with that what Jesus did for us as he was... As he was uh, died and, and resurrected. That's what's happened with our sinful nature. That's what happened with us. That's what the term born again means. Jesus said we must be born again. In, in John, uh, John 4, I think it is, uh, it says you must be born again. And that's, that's a reality. We must be born again. Amen. That our sinful nature to be dealt with once and for all, for it to be gone and dead and, and buried. Praise God. You know, we can live in the reality of that. We can live in, in, in a victory of that. Isn't that amazing? That sin no longer has any hold on us. Now, will we face temptations? Absolutely. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is our high priest. He, he, he can sympathize with all our weaknesses. That's, that's in Hebrews. He can sympathize with all our weaknesses because he says that Jesus was tempted in every way. So he totally gets it. He understands it. He gets it. And when it says Jesus was tempted every way, I read that exactly as it said, that Jesus was tempted in every single way in the ways that we can be tempted and, and thoughts that can bombard us the things that, that tempted Jesus. But Jesus was always victorious over sin. Amen. So he always took those thoughts captive and, and dealt with it. But we can be totally victorious over sin. Sin has no hold over you. It also says in the Bible that, that God will never allow us to go, you know, to be tempted more than we can bear, more than we can deal with, 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 with God's help. Amen. Because with God on our side, we can overcome anything. Amen. So sin has no right to have any hold in your life. And if the stuff that you're struggling with is struggling struggling with, struggling with my words, you're struggling with in your life right now. Is there anything that you, just a temptation or something that's becoming a habit, temptation itself isn't a sin, but something that's becoming a habit or becoming an issue in your life, I just encourage you just to get it dealt with. Because it can, sometimes it can, it can feel that that, that, that issue, that, 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 that habit or whatever that's just not right in your life, it feels like it has a hold on you. And it feels like it's never going to go. That's right. And experience that, right? It feels like it has a hold on you. You feel like, I cannot break this habit. I cannot, I cannot change this. But the, but the reality of that is it's, that's just a lie from Satan. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Sin has no hold over your life. It has no right to have a hold over your life. If it feels that way, it's still not truth. Amen? Because Jesus has completely defeated the power of sin. So for someone who's born again, sin has no hold over them. They're completely free from sin itself. The sinful nature has gone. And we get to live in that incredible victory. Just like this box is a boxer's wife. That price has been paid. Jesus took all the sin of the world upon him. You can't, even, you can't even start to wrap your head around how that must have felt for Jesus on the cross, can you? To grasp how that would feel. So to take the weight of all the sin on the world, all the sin before and at the time, and all the sin that was to come, to take that on himself on the cross. But to do that so that, that we could be free so that we could be made new, so that the price could be paid once and for all. Amen. I'm glad the battles are Lord's. Imagine if we were still having to battle against sin and do it at our own strength. We were having to sacrifice animals. We were having to sacrifice a Passover, Passover lamb. I know those things came from God, but remember, they're all about pointing towards Jesus. Amen. I'm so glad we don't have to do that. We don't have to jump through hoops. We don't have to try and make God like us. Amen. We don't have to try and just be a bit more holy. Well, I believe in holy living, obviously. But we don't have to try and be a bit more holy. We do that under the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the key to living holy. Amen? If people see Christianity as just a list of, 
a list of kind of do's and don'ts, a whole list of rules. They're just kind of missing the point. This is Jesus came up against that time after time after time. And Jesus kind of dealt with that because that's what the religious leaders were doing. Just make it a whole list of often hypocritical rules. And Jesus was like, this is, you're just missing the point. here. It's all, it's all about grace. It's not the healthy that need, need a doctor, it's the sick. That's what Jesus said over and over again. He was criticized for who he hung around with, what you're doing, hanging around with tax collectors, why hanging around with prostitutes. What are, you, what are you doing, Jesus? This is what the religious leaders thought about it. Jesus was like, but it's not the health that need a doctor. It's, it's a sick. This is who I've come to save. Obviously, you come to save the religious leaders as well, but they just weren't responding to it. Amen? But that's what, what Jesus won for us. We have complete victory. Who's glad about that this afternoon? That's, that's amazing. Okay, that's one aspect. Time's moving on. Okay, second point. Jesus has gained victory over the devil. Total and complete and finished victory over the devil. It's key to say that as well. Not a, not a temporary win. You know, sometimes we use, you hear a quote, don't you, when, when someone's won a, a battle or an argument. I'm sure none of you have ever argued. You know what I mean? um, or, or a debate or whatever. And they say, oh, you might have won the battle, but you're not going to win the war. You hear that, don't you? Well, the reality is Jesus won the battle and the war. It's dealt with. It's done. It's, it's over. There isn't some future, future battle. It's done. The devil is defeated. He may not think he's defeated. He may, well, in fact, he knows he's defeated, but he will give the impression he isn't defeated. And we'll try and deceive people. In now, but even the devil knows himself. He's totally and utterly defeated. He literally has no authority over human beings other than the authority that people give him. Right, Colossians 2, verse 13 to 15 says this, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. So that's kind of when we were judged against the law. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And so through the cross, the devil has been permanently defeated. Man, all the authority that Adam and Eve, going back to what we said earlier, to what Adam and Eve, the authority that they gave them by, by, by uh, giving into the temptation to sin, and then everyone being born with this, subsequently with a sinful nature, that was dealt with at this point. And Jesus gained total victory finished victory, complete victory, and permanent victory over the devil. I'm only glad about that. Amen. That's amazing. You know, the, the legal authority that the devil had over us has been completely destroyed. He has no right to do anything in your life. That's why the Bible says, you know, we res- if we submit ourselves to God, we can resist the devil, and he must flee from it. He has no choice but to flee. It's not some kind of optional thing. He might flee. He has no choice but to do that. He has no authority over your life over your family, over your finances, over your, over your health. He has no, no legal authority over those things. Now, will he bombard us with thoughts? Will he try and convince us otherwise? Absolutely, that happens all the time. But you just have to remind the devil of, of what's happened here, what's happened back at the cross. Amen? That he is totally defeated. Amen? We can, we can live in the reality of that victory. We can, we can um, you know, on a daily basis. And when the devil bombards your thoughts... Maybe bombarding your circumstances, resist him. It's so, so often as Christians, it'd be so, we become just too laid back and just, just let the devil kind of do what he wants to do. Let's just totally resist him. Because remember, he has no legal authority to do anything. Even as a Christian, we could give some, him authority. He will have no authority over our soul, but we could give him authority to do some things in our lives. But don't go down that road. You know, resist him and, and, and deal with him. Amen? In the name of Jesus, you must go. He must go. Praise God. Because it's a permanent victory that Jesus won. It is finished. It is, it is over. The battle is over and the war is over. 
I mean, this cosmic spiritual battle that was going on in the heavenlies, it was over. Now, I know there's still things going on and there's things that's going to happen towards, uh, you know, the recording of Revelation and end time stuff. There's still kind of spiritual battles kind of going on in the heavenlies. And uh, Paul talks about our battles not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual power, um, principalities and spiritual powers in the heavenlies. So there are still kind of those battles going on, but the reality is Jesus has total authority and has won that battle. It's just kind of seeing that, um, yeah, seeing that through to total uh, completion because you know, they were still trying to rebel against it. The, the victory's won, and it's complete, and it's permanent, but they will still rebel against it and, and, and try and convince people that they've still got some uh, authority. Amen? And at the end of time, it'll all be uh, dealt with once and for all to read about in the book uh, of Revelation, and we'll be in God's presence uh, forever. Amen? So even though there's still kind of battles going on here, there, and everywhere, and spiritual battles going on, it doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that Jesus', Jesus um, victory wasn't permanent. Does that make sense? Okay? It just all, that just has to be continued to be outworked in the heavenlies. Okay, so, so Jesus has complete victory over the devil. His legal authority over us has been destroyed. And number three, Jesus has gained complete victory over death. So complete victory over sin, complete victory over the devil, and complete victory over death. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50 to 57 says this, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet of the sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. So not only is sin being dealt with, not only is the devil being dealt, dealt with, and devil and all his demonic hordes being dealt with, the death itself no longer has any victory or sting. You know, Paul himself, he says, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. In one of Paul's letters he talks about this kind of almost like conflict that's going on, on, on in his life. It's like, well, it's great to be here and it's great to be on this earth and I can reach more people and I can preach to more people and see more people getting saved and healed and delivered and set free. But at the same time, I, in my spirit, I just want to be in heaven. And it was almost like a conflict going on. For him. That can happen in our lives as Christians. Like, how long is it going to be to heaven, Jesus, until uh, we get there? Because the reality is death has no victory or sting for, for the believer. To live is Christ and to die is gain. That's what Paul had to say about it. To live is Christ. If I live, I'm, I'm living for Christ. But to die, to die. And when this, when this physical body, this physical tent, as Paul calls it, this tent that we live in, when it finally kind of gives up, then we'll be in God's presence forever. It's not, it's not anywhere defeat. There cannot be any, any defeat for the life of a Christian. Death is not a defeat in the life of a Christian. Amen? You know, one of the greatest honors as a pastor is doing people's funerals. When you've known that person, you've known how they serve God, and you've known how they live how they've lived for God. You know, there is no, there is no defeat in, in death. Of course, it's incredibly sad. People are, people are upset, especially if it's an unexpected death. People are upset. You know, that's the nature of relationships. You know, you've, you've, you've had a relationship. You've now lost that relationship, and you're mourning for that loss of relationship. It's very real. Of course, of course it's real. You know, that's, that's the reality of, you know, human relationships and the way God created us to be. But is there any... Is there any um, yeah, but the reality is there is no defeat in that. Is, it, is that a defeat? No, because you're now in God's presence 
forever. Even death itself, there's no defeat. In fact, it's, it's the ultimate victory. Amen. Because once you're in God's presence, you know, Revelation says there's no more, there's no more mourning, there's no more crying, there's no, there's no more tears, there's no more pain. Praise God. It's the ultimate victory in death. And that's just a totally different way of looking at it, but that's the reality, isn't it? That's the truth of what Scripture says. It's, it's not a defeat. It's a victory. You know, we can live in the reality of that. And I, I think this, it's, it's great to remind us of these concepts because it completely changes. Um, I think it can completely change our kind of attitude towards life. When we live is to live as Christ and to die as gain as well. On this earth, let's just do everything we can to win people for God. And then we've got the great promise that we're gonna, one day we're going to be in God's presence and it's just going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. And there's going to be no more pain, no more tears. There's be full of joy. And be in God's presence forever and be reunited, of course, with those who've gone before us. It's going to be amazing. Praise God. So Jesus won victory over sin. He's won victory over the devil. And he's won victory over death. And remember, they're all permanent victories. It is done. It is over. That's why Jesus could say, it is finished. It's now it's accomplished. Amen. And there's be no more price paid to sin. There needs to be no more victories over the devil. There needs to be no more victories over the death. It is done once and for all. And we, as, as believers, we have the opportunity and, and just the freedom just to live in that redemption. Isn't that amazing? And we had literally have not had to do a thing other than accept it. Not to jump through any hoops. Not to try and make God like us. Not to beat ourselves. Go through, go through penance or anything else. Not to confess to a priest. Not to do any of those things. All we've had to do is accept the reality of what Jesus has done for us. Say, Jesus, I accept that as truth, and he, and he did that for me. And then we can live in that victory on a, on a day-by-day basis. And it brings so much freedom to your life, doesn't it? Knowing that nothing has a hold on you. Amen? Death has no hold on you. What's, what's, the, worst, what's the worst that can happen in your life? You, you could die. And if you could think about the worst thing, don't think about this, but think about the, if you could think about the worst things that could potentially happen in your life, or well, the worst would be you could die. Well, what Paul says, to live as Christ and to die as gain. So even that's a benefit. Even that's going to be amazing. See what I mean? What, what, what can life possibly do to you? What can the devil possibly do? And we have victory over the devil anyway. Resist him. He must flee. Sin has no hold on you. You can live in total freedom from sin. Of course, if we mess up and we inevitably will at times, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 9. So even then, sin still has no hold on you. The devil will try and condemn you. Remember, we read earlier, remember, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So it brings so much spiritual freedom to your life. Amen. What's the worst that life could throw at you? But in every aspect, in every circumstance, we can have victory because of what Jesus has done for us victory over the devil, victory over sin, and victory over death itself. It is a finished victory. It is complete. And it it is done. I'm just so thankful. So thankful for that. I just want to pray for you this afternoon. Thank you, God. We'll take communion in a second. Thank you, God. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for what you won for us on the cross. Lord, thank you the battle is over. The war is over. That war over our soul is is over. It's done. The war over humankind is done. It's over. Lord, we thank you for the truth of that, Lord God. Thank you for what you won for us on the cross. Victory over sin, victory over the devil, victory even over death itself. Lord, there's no fear, Lord, for the believer. Lord, because we look forward to the day when we're going to be in your presence forever. Death has no fear and has no hold over us. We know we'll be in your presence. Thank you, God.
Thank you for all those victories, Lord, you've won for us. Lord, and you just did it, you did it for, for us. You didn't do it for yourself. You didn't need to do it. You didn't need to prove anything. You didn't need to prove about who you were, Lord, as a son of God, as, as the Alpha and Omega. You didn't have to prove anything to anybody, including the spiritual powers, Lord, but you did it all for us. And Lord, and only for us, Lord, and that's just amazing. Lord, for your love, Lord, for mankind. Because you just, Lord, you just long for people to be in relationship with you. Lord, I just thank you for the truth of that. And I was going to give anyone just an opportunity as well this afternoon. If you're not yet in relationship with God, if you don't yet know what it means to be a Christian or to, uh, to live in these, these victories that Jesus has won for you, you can know that this afternoon. And all you've got to do is, is just accept Jesus into your life, invite him into your life. Maybe you've just gone off track. Maybe you've just gone down, just gone down a wrong road. I just kind of got off track in a relationship with God. And the great news is, is, this, is that God is just waiting for you this morning with open arms, just saying, just come back. I'm not going to judge you. There's no condemnation for in Christ Jesus. But just, just come back. And I welcome you back with, with open arms this afternoon. So, so whether you need to pray, this is a recommitment, or you've never prayed a prayer like this before and invited Jesus into your life, I just encourage you to pray this and mean it with all of your heart. And God will come into your life. He will start working in your life. And you will know the reality of these victories over sin and, and death, victory over the devil. You know what it is to be free, and to be free indeed, that's what Jesus said. Let's all just pray this together. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for what you won for me. Thank you for being obedient to your Father to go to the cross. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you won victory over sin. Thank you that you won victory over the devil. Thank you that you won victory over death itself. I want to live in those victories. I want to live for you. I want you to come into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Whilst people's heads are bowed and eyes closed, if you've prayed that prayer this afternoon and you're praying as a recommitment just to get things back on track with your relationship with God, or you've never, ever prayed a prayer like that before, I just encourage you just to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I'd love just to come and chat with you and pray with you. Thank you. I've seen that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else this afternoon? Thank you, God. God, you're so good. You're so amazing. You're so amazing. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, Jesus. You're so, so good. So we're going to receive communion just as Ian plays. So let's just, let's just take communion well this afternoon. Let's just take it this afternoon just with a, such a thankful heart of what he has done for us. Thanking him for his victory that he's won for us. The host and him are going to bring it round. They're wearing gloves. Just let them hand, they'll just hand it out um, to you. um, And then we'll take it all together in a second.